Hey guys, welcome to the In Doubt Show. We have another program today, uh, Christmas themed. Uh, it's actually a little bit different. We have Daniel Markin, who used to be one of the hosts of In Doubt, interviewing Johnny Markin, which is his dad, and they're going to be doing the interview via online. And so we're going to do that. It's going to be great talking about the significance of Advent season, the candles, feasting, uh, all kinds of stuff. And so it's going to be a great message. We hope you enjoy today's program. Hey everybody, welcome to the In Doubt Show. Uh, we've got a great program today, something a little different, which you're going to see in uh, just a few moments. Uh, but I just want to remind you, if you can subscribe, like, hit the notification if you're watching on the YouTube, uh, that helps us with algorithms. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, wherever you are in audio world, thank you for tuning in. And uh, just hit the rating, hit all that stuff. It just really helps us get the message out. And just want to remind you, we've been talking about our calendar year end. Uh, this year for In Doubt, we're trying, we're raising 45000 That's our goal. $45,000 to help us launch into 2024. Uh, we have some exciting things we're going to be doing uh, this coming year. And so we really appreciate your support. You can go to indoubt.ca and uh, you can give that way. We really appreciate your generosity this year. Um, Chris, how's it going? I'm really good. You're doing really good? I'm trying to come up with a different, different one than just good. You're just really great. good? Yeah, That's amazing. Really Praise good. the Lord. Um I'm excited about this. Yeah. Uh, you worked with Daniel Markin. I did. Uh, for a time. Yeah. And uh, Daniel used to be the host with In Doubt uh, for a season. And um, guess who's back? He's back. Back again. Daniel's back. Tell a friend. Um, no, but in all seriousness, uh, he's actually going to be doing the interview today. Yeah. And uh, with his dad, Johnny Markin, who's a hero to me. And I know uh, to some of us in the office here, he's been on the show as well. Johnny's been on the program. He has. Yeah. yeah a few times. And so uh, they're going to be talking about Advent. Um, the importance, what the candles represent, and how to just get our hearts and our minds um, focused on what's important. Uh, we have a third chair guest who's just hanging out uh, for this interview today. And uh, if you hear this music, you know him, you love him, the man with 200 voices. Usually I mistake and say 200 words, which is not true. Uh, a man of many words, but 200 voices, Marcus Miller. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing great. We know we talked last week about how uh, we had our Christmas party. Yes. And we got to hang out with all of our significant others. But that was a fun time. It was. Our yeah. first Christmas party with the ministry. It was. And well, it was a well, your guys's. Yeah, our, yeah. Marcus and I's. And Scott. Yeah. Oh, no. Skylar had one the year before, I think. Um, he's hiding in the corner. I could just literally look and ask. <laughs> no, he's not, Ben. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so uh, we did a Santa exchange, the, the little stealing, oh, not stealing, oh, but. Oh. White you know, elephant the, or secret uh, Santa, yes. White elephant? Is that what that's it's called? What it's yeah, that's called. what they call them. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. That's borderline racist. Um, I'm I just, just joking. A... Wow, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, wow. <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Uh, um, but uh, we, I, this guy, Marcus, had this sick foosball table for most I of did. the game. Until last moment, someone exchanged it for some way to make vegetables taste good or something. I can't remember. What is it? <laughs> they, they I were, felt bad. Uh, I felt you, bad, too. Yeah. They, they were like green Ziplocs, I think, for like for vegetables. For vegetables Shout yeah. out to whoever's watching on staff. It's useful. Who got that. It's useful. It's very practical. Have you I, used them yet? No. 
That's amazing. What did you, what did you get? Oh, you got the. You guys were strategic. Yeah. You and your wife were strategic, we were, man. We were probably like Lego in a in a Starbucks more mug. More strategic oh, yeah. than uh, we yeah. let on. It's not their first white elephant. No, oh, no way. If you know what no, I'm saying, uh, no. you got stolen from quite a bit. I thought it was. I felt a, bad I thought for a little, you. It was. Yeah. It did seem a little bit like a hate it, crime, to be honest. Let's be honest. Intentional. Yeah. It seemed a little intentional, and I wanted the Scots honey from Iraq. Like that was what I want. Every, everyone wanted. Everyone it. did. But I think it's it was like, the twenty five dollar gift card, Five uh, which is kind of funny because limit. like you could like support his business and just buy his honey. No, but the problem is because I want to, but all the bees are done. His honey's gone. Those were the last <laughs> two jars. Those were the last for this two season. Jars. For this season, now they're all sleeping. Yeah, and we gotta wait till. So my wife Michelle wanted that honey so badly, and we kept people kept stealing it from us. Like it was bunch of Winnie the Poohs, man. It was wild. It, it was a bit of a bother. It was. Um, I was really hoping you'd go there. <laughs> Thank you, Winnie. Um, but anyways, anytime. <laughs> anytime. Uh, we have uh, Daniel and Johnny who are going to be doing an interview remotely, which is pretty fun. We're trying to see how this works, but uh, I think uh, they're going to be talking about some pretty important things, and uh, I think it's going to be a hopeful message. And so let's dive into the interview with uh, ja- Janny, <laughs> Daniel, and Johnny. And uh, let's hear what they have to say, and then we'll come back. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and uh, whether you're new to the show or maybe you're familiar to In Doubt, uh, I'm a familiar voice to this program. I'm an old voice. Um, I'm back in the saddle, so to speak, taking over a little podcast here. Andrew asked if I could jump in because uh, all the Christmas crazy stuff is going on. And, uh, you know, at Christmas time, sometimes we need a helping hand. And so I'm here and I got an amazing guest with with us today on the program. And this guest just so happens to be my dad, uh, Johnny Markin. He's a friend of the show and a familiar face on this program. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about Advent since we're right here in the Christmas season and we're thinking about Christmas. You've probably already seen uh, at church if you're attending and and the Christmas decorations are out, you might see at the front of your stage a, a number of candles, Advent candles. So we're going to be talking about Christmas, Advent, kind of making a, a, a whole discussion around that. So Johnny Markin, my dad, <laughs> welcome back to In Doubt. It's good to see you. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. It's good to be back. I remember doing the uh, episodes with you down in the studio in Abbotsford. Uh, it must have been uh, two, three years ago. And we went on about our favorite hymns. That was a fun one. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Um, well, my favorite one, I think I, one of them was Crowned with Many Crowns. Yes. But then we... One of mine was, in fact, seasonally, it was Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which is pertinent yes, to today. Exactly. And as we're talking about Christmas time, it is funny that... Um, we only break out these really, really rich hymns uh, around Christmas time, but they are seasonal. That's true. I guess for me, it's tricky because Elise and I, we put our Christmas tree up in October. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we like, uh, we, we just were feeling it and, uh, and it worked out because we, we knew we were going to have a pretty busy November and December. And so we said, why not? It's nice why to have the lights turn on in the morning. Um, I was able to get my hands on some of those smart plugs. So like at 6.30 oh, a.m., you, you know, the Christmas tree turns on. So when you wake up in the house, um, you're not, you know, it's not like a dark house. So it's been great. It's but Johnny, how have you been? How are things? 
Very good. It's been a good season of ministry in uh, Cloverdale, where I'm at Cloverdale Baptist Church, and uh, helping develop some young worship leaders and um, mature worship leaders, too, through Worship Leader Institute, which the sessions that we've been running out here in the West Coast, uh, and it's been encouraging. And we have some ideas going forward for some other events that we want to do in 2024. And uh, mm-hmm. so that, that keeps us hopping over here. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit more about the Worship Leader Institute. Is that something that anyone could be a part of? Actually, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I found when I was teaching in, in the program at Trinity Western was that not everybody can afford to go to school, or that, uh, not just monetarily, but time-wise. They can't afford to go to like, class and do those kinds of things, or even a, a virtual class. It's just too big a commitment. And so we've run these weekend-long workshops for lay leaders uh, and people who are involved in ministry want to get involved in ministry, youth leaders who have been coming to these, and just Im- immerse them in, in you know initial discussions about the why of worship so that they feel better equipped about what they're doing when their church is asking them, hey, will you lead worship for X event, and or whether that be uh, Sunday morning or some other event. So we're finding that giving them the tools that they need to think through how they plan worship and what they do when they want to train their own leaders is it's it's a, it's a that's the big upside. So we can make it work for that segment. It's more than a conference where you get a, a you know three four ideas and and you think well I wish they could go deeper into something, uh, and then the whole plethora of books you have to read at a at a course where you're having to go do exams and papers and and you do learn that way but you you're in a different level of commitment for some people maybe they're in a time of life where they got a lot of small children or they've got uh maybe they're doing part-time work ministry and have another full-time job on the side and so they just need some somebody to come alongside them and so myself and i've had some colleagues out here in the west coast helping out as well and uh it's been a very enjoyable ride Wow. Yeah. You, you know, you're tapping into something, especially with the, like, I, I sense that right now with two small little twin girls, right? Like my time is, is, you know, to think about going out and studying is pretty short and, mm-hmm. and for you to be able to offer that just in a weekend, right? You can get some childcare mm-hmm. for a weekend and a couple who maybe lead worship together can to go and get a little bit of training and every little bit helps. And mm-hmm. oftentimes you want good training, not just, you know, sometimes, conferences should maybe just be a little workshop because it can be a lot of, you know, stuff that's helpful, a lot of stuff that's yeah. unhelpful, yeah. Uh, you know, just depending on, I guess, the takeaways from that. Um, you know, I definitely, so I'm actually, you know, I've been on the broadcast here for a long time, but I now work at Briarcrest College and Seminary. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the director of marketing here. And one of the things that we've been working with, we work with the college and, and you know, getting students to come and study the Bible and, and study other, all sorts of degrees at Briarcrest. But one of the unique things with Briarcrest Seminary out here in Saskatchewan is you don't, you can do a lot of it online nowadays. And something else the seminary offers is module learning, which literally you just show up for one week and you can get a whole course done in a week. And Mm -hmm. that's very appealing to people with all sorts of different schedules and things. I did my Um, postgraduate degrees that way by traveling down to the Weber Institute a couple of times a year. Absolutely. And, and, you know, so there's, for those looking at further education, you can go to somewhere like Briarcrest in person, or you can do it online. You can go to Worship Institute over a weekend or, or study postgraduate online. There's, you know, in our day and age, flexibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at us in two different time zones recording this episode <laughs> together. And so why don't we jump in a little bit here uh, and talk a little bit about Advent. So sure. as we think about the season of Advent, 
uh, we might hear that a long, a lot of the time we have advent calendars, mm. um, you know, on first glance without, you know, I imagine most people think advent is like, oh, it's just a countdown, right? Mm -hmm. 24 days until, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas day. And here we go, right? Some of us do that with chocolate calendars. Yeah. I do it with a Star Wars Lego calendar where every day I count down, I get another little <laughs> filled. But what is, what actually is the season of Advent? Okay, so uh, Advent is a season of preparation. And, and if you're familiar at all with the season of Lent around uh, Easter, then it's the same kind of idea. You're leading up to something. And so what we have is this sense of beginning the Christian year, which does at Advent. is Effectively, what the Christian calendar does is it immerses you into the story of God and takes you cyclically every year through the story of God uh, in Christ and then the church. And, and, and it, it forms faith in you because you're always immersed in that story. You're always remembering it. And you, you see how your, your life fits into God's bigger plan and bigger story. And so Advent is about the story. It's about the aching and the longing of the people of God in the Old Testament waiting for Messiah and walking through some of the drudgery and the difficulties. And it begins with the cries of Isaiah, uh, where he is calling them to repentance and then saying, look down the road, he, he looks at the suffering servant and he looks beyond that to the great day of Messiah when, when all righteousness comes to the forefront and the ruler of all, the king of kings, is on the throne and justice is perfect. And so you have this sense of we here in the modern era thinking, yeah, we know we're in the now and the not yet. There's a lot of stuff going on in our lives, in, in our personal lives, in our nation, in the world. And so we cry out with lament. And that's how Advent starts. It's like taking that moment to unplug from everything else and saying, okay, God, what's your plan in this? And so mm -hmm. we begin the journey of thinking not just about Jesus' first birth, because that would just be nostalgia. It's a countdown to nostalgia. But Christian faith has an element of the word is eschatology. It's looking forward to the return of Jesus. So really, Advent is about Jesus' second coming, not only his first coming. The first was a down payment, but his full reign of the kingdom comes at his second, at his return. And so when we sing some of these songs, it's got that in mind. You know, it's not just about, oh, come to Jesus 2,000 years ago. It's, oh, please come again. You know, well, yeah. this last week we sang, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And of course, you can sing that and think about the Old Testament people. But it's also the church is the new Israel, the spiritual Israel. And we are longing and aching for his return even now. And so there's that eschatological aspect of the weeks leading up to Christmas. Yeah, it's, you know, in many ways, so we sit in the present, in the present, mm -hmm. and the past story is very similar to what the future story is going to tell as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it occurs to me that like, you know, for thousands of years, they're waiting for the Messiah to come. Mm -hmm. And they're looking forward to that and excited, anticipating that. And then he came. <gasps> He's here, right? And the, yeah. and the shepherds go and they see him. And then yeah. there's the story of the man in the temple who he had... He, his whole life's purpose was he knew he was going to hold the Messiah, right? There's this, yeah. I mean, waiting his whole life for that, right? This anticipation, and it came. And then what? Go through history. We have another 2,000 years where, again, it seems like we're in the same spot as has how Israel feels. feels like the Christian faith is under attack, that we're in, in some ways, cult, at least culturally, um, 
pushed to the wayside mm-hmm. uh, from from modern mainstream culture. And it's you know we are the 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 butt of every joke. In some areas, it's harder to be a Christian than others. In the marketplace, people lose their jobs, mm-hmm. and there is a sense of like you said, like the um, ransom captive is, captive Israel. We we are waiting for Christ's second coming. Mm. Almost for you know, yeah the 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 second Christmas maybe maybe that's the <laughs> wrong way of putting it right but we are again back in that time of longing but because the first time because he came the first time and all the prophecies and promises that he's fulfilled mm-hmm. we have confidence knowing that he is going to come the second time true and I think that's really helpful too that we have to think about this yearly because otherwise it would be pretty. Um, uh, it'd be pretty frustrating or or depressing even to just think he's never going to come. But this well, season requires us to. Well, it does. And I think that that's the beauty of the cyclical nature of the Christian calendar. The Christ, Christian view of time, the biblical view of time, is both linear in that it has a beginning at creation and has an end at Christ's return and the new creation. And yet, at the same time, it's cyclical in rehearsing that. And there's a, there's a Greek word in 1 Corinthians 12 when we're talk, talking about the Lord's table. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And that right. word remembrance is the Greek word anamnesis, which sounds like amnesia, but it's actually the opposite. And so for, for the Christian believer, we utilize the Christian calendar in, in seasons like Advent, and it immerses us into the story so that we remember the story so that we don't forget. In other words, we do, we enact anamnesis events. We do anamnesis so we don't get amnesia. Yeah, amnesia is to forget, anamnesis is to remember. And so, well, how do you remember? Well, often through repetition, right? We all did the, I mean, that's how I learned my multiplication, right? You Mm -hmm. just look at it, you kept looking at it, and eventually you just remember what the multiples are, and then yeah. same with like memorizing scripture. You just so keep looking at it. I, I it. think that's 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 interesting. Memorizing scripture, you wind up saying it out loud. Remembering yeah. your times tables, you say it out loud. Remembering yes. articles of faith, you say them out loud. And right. so there's an aspect of performing something, an action that is done. I mean, Robert Weber's famous for saying worship is a verb. We do these things and we rehearse the story of God, and it helps us remember it all the time. So every week that we sit at the Lord's table and we break the bread and we pour the cup, we're doing what Jesus did. That's taking an action from the past and pulling it into the present. But why? Not just as go, oh, isn't that nice? Because it points to the future. It's that eschatological hope again. That's just, it's it's throughout everything that we do. The greatest hymns we have are all pointing to that day that great day of his return. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. You know, those are the moments we know we will be made whole and well when the when the resurrection happens and we are with Christ forever. Absolutely. And through the singing of it, we remember it more, which oh, is, yeah. I mean, they, like throughout history, and you'd know this, maybe you could touch on this. We, we sang the Psalms, right? People would sing the the scriptures because it's way easier to remember that i mean I, i'm sure off the top of our head many of us could remember song lyrics mm-hmm. way quicker than we can remember um just passages of scripture and i think it has to do with something with how our brains work but i think that's pretty cool that even back in the past because yeah because we're so much smarter now right we have everything <laughs> figured out no but even back then right they they knew actually if you sing it you tend to remember it better Absolutely. And there's something about the way we've been wired by God to, to remember that. And so 
singing these now, again, we remember the truths of God, which also oh, yeah. speaks to, I think, why we should be singing quality songs so that we're mm -hmm. uttering and, and reminded and meditating and singing the other truths of God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a sense that there, all of the songs that we find in Scripture, the Psalms, there's uh, the Song of Moses and Miriam in the, in the book of Exodus with the great mm -hmm. victory. And they wrote these songs down so that they would remember them. So generation after generation would not forget the story. And then we get into the New Testament and we see sections of uh, letters of Paul where we see First Corinthians, uh, sorry, Colossians 1, 15. He's the image of the invisible God. Uh, that section is thought to be a, a hymn that the people knew in the day, and they would sing it and so remember these amazing theological aspects of the character and divinity of Christ, humanity and divinity. You know, in Philippians 2, the the um, kenosis passage, right? He gave everything up to for us, but he will be exalted. And so there's all, a bunch of these throughout the New Testament, even the Magnificat. Mary's response, you know, is it's timely. You know, this is the Annunciation was a big part of early church history, was celebrating the Feast of the Annunciation. Her response was, Lord, let me be your servant. I, I am your servant. I will do what you have asked me to do. And then verses later, we hear her song, which is a song of praise that you have not forgotten the lowly. You have not forgotten your people. And what did that mean for Israel? It meant everything. What does that mean for us today? It still means everything. And so that's why what we sing in these songs, be it come, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, or any of the other hymns that we will do during the Advent season, are really, really helpful for us, not only on a corporate level, but on a personal, a deeply personal level when we walk through angst. Mm -hmm. Let me bring it then back to uh, maybe some of the symbols of Advent. Mm -hmm. uh, what's with the candles, right? <laughs> you see churches, they they have them at the front and they mean different things, but don't they also in the Jewish faith, I, the name is slipping me, uh, it's, it's a menorah, right? Yes. All the different, yeah. they have candles. Is that... Is there something to do with light and, and fire that tie these together, but maybe move us more in the direction of what in the, within the Christian calendar, when do we start using the candles and what do these candle, candles represent? Well, of course, the church inherited much of its character from the Old Testament and from the Jewish people and the way they celebrated faith. Uh, the story of the menorah and, and Hanukkah is uh, from the apocryphal uh, stories that we get, so that okay. in between that intertestamental period uh, of some of the things around the, the, the Maccabees, but the, yeah. the miracle that took place when the oil didn't run out and the lights kept burning in the temple. I believe that's what it is. But there is a similarity of the light, which is the symbol of hope. Now, when you think about John's writing uh, in John 1, when he says the true light was coming into the world, and Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he was coming into the world, and, and Christ is the light of the world, right? There's the John 7 passage where there, you know, all the, the, the lights are burning at the Feast of Booths, and Jesus stands up and says, hey, I am the light of the world. And so he's, he's bringing that upon himself. And so now, when we think of Jesus, the light of the world, when we in the church light candles, this is where we go to, is Jesus is the light in the darkness. And the process of lighting one candle every week uh, of the Advent, of the four Advent weeks, there's an increasing amount of light in the darkness. 
And that, oh. that is what's showing us the trajectory towards, you know, the fullness of the kingdom. Yes, Christ coming in and the Christ candle on Christmas Day, the fifth candle, which, uh, which is the tall white candle that you'll see. But also the sense that that light is increasing. And we remember this in December when it's the darkest of periods. I, I did have a friend who asked, what do they do in Australia and New Zealand around this time? Because it's the longest days of the year. Well, oh, you know, yeah. well, I suppose they, you know, they can still look at the symbolism regardless. But you know, when we look at the roots of where our faith grew in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the darkest period. And it's kind of why we have it here historically, Christmas being at the solstice in in uh, Roman or pagan times, they, they would celebrate coming of light. And then the Christians coming along going, you want a celebration of light? We'll show you who the son of righteousness is. And the S-U, this S-O-N is the S-U-N. Uh, and that is, you know, he is the true light coming into the world. That's what yeah. we celebrate. And so there's this wonderful imagery. Well, even to that, don't we celebrate uh, Easter on the solstice? Like isn't isn't that am I is that correct? Because they the the pagans viewed it's like the solstice is this r big event, and the Christians said, "Well, well, <laughs> we'll show you a big <laughs> event. Here's the resurrection." Well, they 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 align. I think that the the uh, okay. occurrence of the festivals uh, originally came from the agrarian calendar, and oh, so okay. Pentecost as a, a as a harvest festival was giving thanks to God. And then, um, you know, the, it started with, uh, um, it was 50 days Easter and then 50 days in our calendar. But, you know, there was the other aspects of the earlier first fruits, Feast of the First Fruits, and then uh, the, the other harvest festivals that came along. And now the, in the Jewish faith, it was always Thanksgiving. It was never doing a festival and, and going there to worship to please God. It was, look what God has done. We're gonna we're gonna bring as an offering of thanksgiving our our wheat or our lambs or our sparrows or whatever they offer their doves, and so uh, you you have this sense of worship as thanksgiving in the feasts. Mm -hmm. There's another another part about the the candles because you're mentioning you'll also see the different colors of the candles, and yeah. uh, the colors themselves are another symbol. We have all these colors in and around Christmas and Advent. Um, around Christmas we have green and red. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, and some of that comes from some of the early uh, medieval times, uh, especially in England, where especially the Romans, they, they saw holly as the symbol of immortality. So you have this sense of the evergreen, just like the, the evergreen trees, Martin Luther saying, you know, it's a symbol yeah. of, uh, of eternal life in Christ. But as early Christians, they adopted the practice of decorating with uh, with that plant, and it took on a religious association, namely the spiky leaves represented Christ's crown of thorns, and the red mm. berries were his blood. And so you can see how they, they can usurp what was a symbol of something else or co-opt it and give it a Christian meaning, because every symbol only has the meaning that's imbued into it. And so that's why we can take something and utilize it for the glory of God. Uh, as part of the, the theology of sacramentality, you know. Yeah. Well, that speaks to, I mean, there's certain symbols we do not use now because of the meaning, right? Like yeah. you, like you cannot post a swastika anywhere, right? Right. Because of what that, even though that, um, symbol traditionally, I think it was a Hindu symbol, it might right? Been. Uh, for something like, like that. But then, uh, obviously with Nazi Germany and that becoming their symbol, there's just mm -hmm. too much poured into that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it seems that within Christianity, there's been some 
like symbols like the evergreen tree because we all put trees in our house now oh yeah right yeah, and yeah. and i think that's that's it i mean i make that link if that's a tree that survives all year round and the symbol of it you know the evergreen it doesn't die in the winter yeah. right that's and right. now yeah. we place that in our home to remember that um i've also heard it said that just you know if you were to draw uh, an evergreen tree there's three points right and it's the trinity uh, and so you know you can is that is that part of it Oh, it could be. I mean, you you Maybe. can imbue the symbolism into these things too. Yeah. But let's go back to the colors for a second, because the candles yeah. are a, are different shades of colors uh, than the red and the green, which we associate with Christmas. But in Advent, the colors are purple or a darkish blue, but purple being the color of repentance, but royalty as well, fasting mm -hmm. and royalty. But it's also the, the color of suffering. And in doing that, the purple candle reminds us that the manger was all about the cross. And so right. it it connects the two things there. So you have the the hope or the prophecy candle, which is which is week one. You have the peace or the Bethlehem candle, uh, candle, which is number two, week number two. You get uh, the change of color to the rose colored candle of the joy candle or the shepherd candle in some uh, circles, and that's the color of joyful transition. Now it's going from darker to lighter. It, it mm. goes back one uh, week on the fourth week to the purple again, which is called the candle of love or the candle of the angel about the angelic announcement. So if you take the colors and you go say, okay, hope, peace, joy, love, it gives you themes. If you take it the other way and go prophecy, Bethlehem, shepherd, angel, look at those ones. Those ones are telling the story of of the early parts of the gospel, Matthew 1, 2, yeah. Luke 1 and 2. And so if you remember the candles' names, you remember the can the story of Jesus' birth. And another way, yes. in a in a in an applied worship way of thinking of the candles, you've got the first candle, if it's hope or prophecy, that is anticipation. Then you've got the peace or Bethlehem candle. It's all about preparation. Prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. That's a great Advent hymn, mm. you know, and heaven and nature sing. It's joy to the world, which interestingly, Isaac Watts wrote as his second coming, not about his first coming, but mm -hmm. we can see the first leading to the second. So the third mm. candle with peace in Bethlehem uh, would be celebration um, and then adoration out of love. And then finally, the fifth candle, which is lit on Christmas Day, is the Christ candle, because he is the center of all the focus. And that's why he's that candle is always in the center of the wreath. And the, the center of the wreath now burning most brightly. Um, and the tallest, the most pronounced, the candles, right? It's, it's, all, it's all pointing towards that. Absolutely. And we're all aiming towards um, Christmas morning, which, uh, you know, if you're maybe you're new to the Christian faith, we don't actually believe that Jesus was born on Christmas Day. Uh, but this is where we choose to celebrate it. Um, they, you mentioned the Gregorian calendar, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and, and there's a sense that uh, there have been theologians, histor historians who have made cases that potentially he may have been born at this time of year. But it's the, the symbol of light coming into the world, which uh, I think carries more weight. In the darkest part of the year, our darkest time of our lives, perhaps. And there's even people who suffer in winter with seasonal affective disorder, right? Yeah, they got yeah. that lack of sunlight and lack of daylight and they get SAD, they get sad. <laughs> and so in the darkest part of our year, we light the lights, we put our Christmas lights on, we light our trees up inside and, and we light candles. And it's all about that imagery that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And I think mm. that's the center of all of these things too. They're wonderful rituals. 
they are beautiful rituals that that reinforce uh, a beautiful story and reinforce rich theology, but they're simple. And and that's what's so amazing about like, like looking at a Christmas tree and lights is so peaceful, even to people who don't know any of that, right? It's just, maybe it's that feeling of nostalgia or peace and it just, it feels good. But then to us Christians, it's that and the mm. anticipation and the hope that's coming and the fact that I'm forgiven and the fact that I am known and loved, like, you know, it just keeps, it keeps, the gifts keep gone giving yeah. in that sense. It's, it's um, interesting when we talk about the anticipation, I, I did not, I was not raised in a Christian home that, that looked at Christmas from a religious perspective. It was a nod given that it was Jesus' birthday, but all of the anticipation was about what we would find under the tree on Christmas day. Uh, and so there was a sense of all of the material here and now is everything that we have. And we miss the most important part of it. The anticipation of Christ's first coming is pointing to his second coming. I know we keep talking about that, but that is everything to us. And if we don't have that eternal perspective and it's reminded by all of these symbols, then I think we are truly losing out. And we need to be passing that on to our children. And now from my perspective, my grandchildren. Yeah. One. Well, just as a little aside, we're going to be jumping on a, a plane, leaving here Saskatchewan and coming and spending Christmas with you guys. And we're super excited. Fantastic. Uh, for that, watch them run around. But even like with my little girls, I show them, they see the tree and they, can, they can't really talk yet, but they, tree, tree, and they, they will stare at it <laughs> and they're transfixed by it. You know, even the, I'll, I'll hold one of them and I, we'll put our hands up against the LED lights and yeah. uh, and they can see the light coming through their thumb, and they just think that's the the coolest thing ever, right? Wow. And so there's a there there's a real beauty to these symbols, and and actually how they can delight us even in in the simplest ways uh, and to the simplest of people. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean that's just it speaks to the uh, one of the reasons why I love the Christian faith is it it is for the most intellectual of intellectuals mm-hmm. who, as they keep looking for answers, more answers, they keep getting an, like more and more satisfying answers. Mm-hmm. And to those who just are very simple and are new to the faith and, and, and just maybe aren't consider, don't consider themselves intellectuals. It also speaks volumes to their soul, their heart. And those are both equally valid. And it's important to remember we have symbols can, can speak to, to both types of people. And, you know, we, we use symbols today all the time and we all recognize logos for brands, uh, memes in many ways, mm. like our, you know, it's, it's, it's a, almost like a hieroglyph. It it's, <laughs> tells a story by looking at it. Like the Egyptians would draw these pictures. We do that with memes and, it, and you it instantly know the, the value or the meaning behind it yeah, uh, through communication, right? So it's, it is interesting that as humans, we just, we are continuing to use the same methods of communication and and that's a good thing. Well, and many people aren't literary driven. They, you know, True. whether they have issues like dyslexia or whether they uh, just learn better from objects or doing. I mean, and for much of the church's history, the people were not literate. And so they heard the story every Sunday when they met for worship and that's where they would find the scriptures. Not they didn't have them at home until the Gutenberg press. So the scrolls were read publicly, 
And that's where they heard the story over and over again. And so you had to keep reading it through. And and the lectionary uh, that the church has created is a three-year run in which the whole of the Bible is read in public worship. And we inherited that aspect of of worship from the synagogue setup of worship, that that format, which was to read the scriptures, uh, explain the scriptures, and pray. And in between, they would chant the Psalms and their prayers this way, musically, too. And so we inherited uh, that form of worship, and with all of its rich symbolism, it communicates. Everything about the things that we see in church can communicate. Everything can have a message. And I think we, when we put together services, when we put together uh, the times that we meet, you know, the gatherings— we should look for those things that communicate. Even just walking in, we see a cross. It speaks of the journey of Jesus and what he's done for us. And at one mm-hmm. point in history, the cross was not a joyful symbol. In the Roman time, it was a symbol of death and destruction. And Jesus said, you know, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your instrument of death and die daily. You've got to do mm-hmm. this and, 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 you know, deny yourself. And this is the example he sets for us. And but now we've we've taken and redeemed that symbol and made it a, a joyous thing. Look, the cross! Wow, the beauty of the cross! You know, the wondrous cross. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to feasts and how that works into the Christian calendar as well? Because my understanding is that we do feast certain times. A uh, big feast that we have coming up: mm-hmm. Christmas dinner. Right? Why do yeah. we practice having these big meals? I mean, I guess the parallels of well, in Christianity, like we have the Last Supper, right, where Jesus, they sat down, they had a meal together, they shared in that fellowship. But why do we also do that at Christmas time? And can you speak a little bit to feasting? Because there's times of feasting, there's times of fasting. Mm-hmm. But in particular, it seems that we break out the nice china at Christmas time. We, we bring out the best uh, food, right? We, we bring out the best wine, the best treats. Why do we do that? Well, Feasting and eating together is a communal act that marks many occasions. When we when we have celebrations, whether that be a wedding or the birth of a child or all of these things or simply the changing of the seasons, uh, it's a way of actually celebrating. So God ordained that we would feast together. And what did he give us uh, in, in his law? He said, meet together, sacrifice these animals— partake of the animals afterwards. And we see this in Exodus 24, when the people, they bring their animals to the foot of the mountain, and they, they're sacrificed, and the blood is then uh, put on the altar, and then on the people by Moses, and there's an interaction with them, a, a whole liturgy that takes place. At the end of this, the elders go up the mountain uh, on behalf of all of Israel, and there they dine on the meat that was sacrificed. And as they're dining together, the, the Lord passes by mm. and he manifests himself to them as a sign of saying, you see, this is us doing all of this together. Feasting is a part of remembrance, and it is a part of the joy of remembrance because good food makes us happy. And yeah. eating in the company of people that we love is just that added wonderful bonus. And so yeah. I think there's the old Swedish proverb that uh, is often quoted, um, uh, a shared joy is a double joy. You know, yeah. so I, I think feasting is from the earliest parts of, of the story of God, how we do things together. He, he brings, I, I mean, I think that's fabulous. I read a theologian uh, named um, Francis, or um, Alexander Schmemann, who in the opening line of his book on sacramentality says, we are what we eat. 
And he was referring <laughs> to the Lord's table. <laughs> yeah. All right. So w- when we are feasting on on that, you know, we are we are remembering Jesus. So when we feast at Christmas, we are bringing all of that thanksgiving back to our tables, saying, "Jesus, thank you for coming." Uh, thank you, God, for having this plan and enacting this plan through the Son and the Spirit. And so, you know, even daily, the rituals we have for saying grace, it's all part of that sense of giving thanks, of remembering everything in the old Jewish law that they had, all of the elements on their clothing and in the priestly garb, uh, even the little things that they would put with the scriptures on their doorposts. All of these things were that they would remember that God made a covenant with his people. He did not abandon them. He delivered them from the oppressor. And there is coming a great day where he will find its fullness in, in Messiah's return. So mm-hmm. feasting, Daniel, is, is a great part of how we celebrate, whether, whether it's the great feasts of the church these days, which originally there was three. You had Epiphany, and then you had um, uh, Easter or Resurrection, and then you had Pentecost. They were the three, and they they told a great story of of God and of the church and of Christ in that. And so, I mean, Epiphany is an interesting one at the end of the Christmas tide season, as we call it. And this is part of the confusion with Advent and Christmas. I think that we have in our modern evangelical culture is we we think it's all one thing rolled up into one ball here. But Advent is that preparation season, and then on December the twenty fifth. The feasts, the 12 feasts, the 12 days of Christmas take place. So that little mm-hmm. little nursery rhyme Christmas carol is about feasting day by day by day. I mean, we have the Feast of Christmas, uh, what is called Boxing Day in Canada and in England is a Victorian term, but it was the Feast of Stephen, St. Stephen, the first martyr. So mm. we would honor a martyr on the second day. I think it's on the third day. I'm not familiar with all of the days, but the Feast of the Innocents is another uh, day that's celebrated worldwide to bring uh, notice to the sanctity of life because they Mm. remember the baby slaughtered by Herod in Bethlehem and Judea. Uh, And Mm. so this is the sanctity of life. And so many churches even take that that week to make a statement about the unborn uh, Mm -hmm. and the the priceless thing that the unborn are in our society. So Mm -hmm. all of these feasts for the 12 days have meaning, and it takes us up to the the day of epiphany which is the uh, manifestation of christ's deity the manifestation of the son of man and, and we have the magi's gifts being brought on epiphany and we have uh the first miracle celebrated at epiphany by many churches which is turning water into wine uh the baptism of jesus you know so you have all of these things these great feasts and it's all tied into stories in scripture to help us remember what they're all about mm-hmm. and of course, with the feasting, we have our present feasts, and we remember the past. Mm-hmm. We enjoy the feast in the present, mm-hmm. right? And you, God gave us taste buds. Might as well use them, right? <laughs> we go. But then uh, uh, we also remember the future feast that we will then have uh, with all of the saints in eternity when Christ comes again, right? And it'd be a great banquet hall and a great long table, and we will feast eternally. So there, I mean, either way, you can't escape the feasting. You might as well do it. Oh, I love it. And, and I think uh, we, we chatted one time about this aspect of the Lord's table, that w- when mm. we are partaking of the bread and the cup, Jesus had said, I will not enjoy this with you again until you I'm in my kingdom, when, when, when you are with me, you know, on the yeah. day when he returns. And so we practice that. We rehearse that banquet whenever we sit at the Lord's table with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Amen. Well, thank you for all of this. I mean, we are running out of time. This has been, you know, I feel like it's like we could spend a lot of time on this and, you know, every, like you could almost do a whole podcast on every day <laughs> of the Advent, but hopefully this will help our listeners um, identify and with those candles, as you see them, yeah. remember the, the hope of the fact that Christ will come again. He came for his people then, he will come again for us. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he's with us, right? The And that gives us hope, the peace that comes from knowing him, the peace mm -hmm. of even just observing nature and seeing the snow fall, like that is peaceful. God's mm -hmm. creation in that, the, the joy that comes from knowing him, the love uh, or the angel, right? The, of Christ coming and then ultimately yeah. Christ coming. And <laughs> so the, the, I, I think we can often, uh, as Christians be like, we'll see Santa Claus, we'll see the movies and all the presents and the consumerism. And we can quickly be like, but well, they're missing out on the, the true meaning of Christmas. And then they, <laughs> so what is the true meaning of Christmas? And we can give a very like, shallow answer in return well it's jesus birthday right oh it's yeah, when jesus yeah. came right and it's actually if you spend time thinking about it and talking about it dwelling on it you begin to see well it doesn't have to be that complicated but there are so many rich layers as to why we actually view the way we celebrate christmas as christians as so much more rich not just because it's jesus birthday they remember that but because of everything we just talked about here so Absolutely. johnny dad Thank you again for your time. And, <laughs> Thanks, Daniel, for having and, me on. Uh, it's been an absolute joy. Absolute joy. And uh, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and to you and your families. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Who knows? I might be jumping back on another episode here within doubt from snowy Saskatchewan. But uh, until then, all the best. All right, that was a fantastic program. Uh, Daniel's a good guy, man, and so is his dad, Johnny. Yeah, I, love, I love those guys. Um, uh, great conversation, but I think uh, going through some takeaways, I think a big thing for me to remember is that the whole Christmas season and even like talking about Joy to the World, the song, uh, so many things this Christmas actually point to the second coming, not necessarily just the birth. Yep. Yeah, that's just, fascinating. Yeah, that's huge. I love that. And even like... Um, uh, we were talking about, you know, the gift of myrrh as um, when they went to go visit Jesus was myrrh is used for burial. So it's almost like this, we're preparing, like he came specifically to die. And exactly. so it's all, you can't, like, like we talked about, and even Brian brought up a few weeks ago, and last week we talked about this too, you can't celebrate Christmas and Easter. They just, it's, he came to oh, die. Apart, and, you mean, you can't celebrate them. What did apart. I say? Oh, you just said you can't celebrate Christmas and Easter. I didn't say and the word you apart. Did, you did this sort of thing. <laughs> Don't yeah. celebrate so just, yeah. Christmas and Easter. No, yeah, can't celebrate them. Gotta pick one. <laughs> um, no, but they you can't celebrate them separate. They're just yeah. so connected. And uh, it's just a good reminder. Um, and then also another thing that was really interesting that he talked about is obviously Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Um, mm, you know, yeah. uh, but we that's when we choose in our culture to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Ironically, it's the darkest season, uh, like physically with, you know, gets dark so early. Um, and there's a lot of anxiety and depression heightened and loneliness heightened. So how cool is it in God's meticulous sovereignty to line it up so that we could celebrate the light of the world, the hope of the world in the darkest season of our lives? Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that was a good, they, they talked about that a little bit. And that was just a, 
just a good reminder. And God is just so good that he gives us what we need. And um, I was very encouraged. And he also talked about the importance of feasts and eating together. And I was like, amen, hallelujah. I love food. A couple of weeks ago, Andy Fru admitted that he loves food. Actually, Jared C. Wilson in his little bio says, loves food way too much. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. we got some foodies in the house. Yep. But uh, the importance of feasting. And uh, I know it's chaotic sometimes with family dinners. And you always have like, you know, the weird uncle. I don't. Shout out to all my uncles. You're all amazing. But, um, you know, it could be chaotic at times, but the importance of coming together to break bread and to celebrate. Uh, I just thought that was a good reminder too. Do you guys have any um, specific meals that you guys do? Are you guys turkey and stuffing folks or ham or? Not so much. Okay. We keep it pretty minimal okay. for family. Nice. Get together meals. At yeah. Least. For uh, Christmas? Yeah, like Christmas and Thanksgiving, both were pretty minimal. Okay. So what would I, I see a, you what dying a, on the inside. No, no, I'm fine. Nervous. I'm fine. We'll be right back after these messages from, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll go we'll go with, like the easy route, especially okay. for like Christmas. We love yes. it if there's just like as little food prep work. To I do love it. Just, do you guys like, just order? We have in the past, okay. yeah. Or we'll get just like easy things to make. Love it. And, yeah, love it. That's actually good about talking. You know, last week we talked about stopping and resting and not yeah. going crazy. Who wants to spend all day cooking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you guys? Do you have any traditions with the? Yeah, traditionally we have done turkey dinner. Yeah. Um, the big thing is, is like everybody's got so many dietary restrictions now. Like Man. my, oh, yeah. my brother's vegan. My mom's on keto. I could make a turkey, but only some of us would eat it. We could make stuffing again. Only some of us would eat it. Um, so we're probably going to order in. Nice. <laughs> and then you can actually just spend time together Yeah, and not have to worry about running around with your yeah. uh, head cut off, trying to figure out a meal. That's cool. Uh, I think we attempted our first turkey this year for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was really? pretty good. Nice. Yeah, um, a lot of prep, oh, but yeah. it, but it's good. It was a good time. Um, anyways, uh, this was a great conversation with Daniel and John, and I hope it points you to the hope, the love, the joy, the peace. You know, all these candles that we light over Advent. Do you guys do candle lighting at your church? We do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. You do too. And I'm uh, not trusted with candles. Yeah, so you don't have the flamethrower no. like, to blow. Yeah, and then the Christ candle. Well, I have it. I, I just not allowed. You to keep use it at home. Yeah, <laughs> and even then, not allowed to use. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> they they pat him down when he comes yeah. to church. Yeah, to it's make like sure oh no, Marcus any... is here. Let's get yep. the uh, yeah. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, and then the Christ candle in the center, which just represents the love, the joy, the hope, the peace that we have, and that's offered to us right now. Um, maybe you're listening, maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. We encourage you to do that. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. And you get to experience relationship with him. You get to experience the love, the hope, the peace, and the joy that he offers. And so uh, do that. Accept Christ into your life. Or if you're feeling low or down and out today, be reminded that Christ is near, that he loves you, he cares for you. And so uh, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, next week, uh, when we air on Monday, it's Christmas morning, and so we're not going to have an episode on Christmas morning. We pray that you enjoy time with your family, your friends, your loved ones, and then we'll be back for an episode on New Year's Day, January 1st. And so we look forward to that. We hope you have a wonderful Christmas break. God bless you guys, and we will see you next year. Thanks for watching The End Out Show. We are sad to see you go. 
please subscribe and like our channel so you're always in the know the in doubt show for exclusive content you can also become an in doubt insider by following the link in the description down below <laughs> Ha 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 